Hello heroes, my name is Tom Pounder and you're listening to a special edition of the YM Sidekick Podcast. And I say special edition because we did a clubhouse session or clubhouse room recently and Mark McDonald, Ben Stapley and I and a few other people including Justin Nava got in a clubhouse room and started talking about what your church can be doing right now to prepare for Easter. Right now meaning 30 days or less to prepare for Easter. So what can you be doing right now to get ready for Easter and how can you be doing it effectively? Mark and Ben, Justin and I all share some insights on this and I would love for you to take a listen to it. It's a little bit longer than our normal formatted YM Sidekick podcast episode, but it's a great discussion and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, And if you have questions, feel free to hit me up afterwards at TA Pounder on Twitter or you can email me at tom at ymsidekick.com. All right, and so one last thing before we get into the episode. The audio is not as clear as it was on a regular podcast episode. It's still fine. You can still hear everything, but it's just not as clear. So you might want to turn up the volume just a little bit. So without any further ado, let's get into the Clubhouse discussion about what your church can be doing right now to prepare for Easter. So, okay, so let's get started. It's 12 o'clock now. What, what we'd like to do is just do this for about an hour um, and uh, honor people's time and uh, if if you have follow-up questions, definitely connect with Ben and Mark. Um, you can click on their profiles and follow them, and then they have contact information in there. Um, but let's just do quick little introductions real quick. Um, I'm Tom Pounder. I'm the online pastor at New Life Christian Church in Chantilly, Virginia. I've been an online guy for about five years now. I've been in student ministry since 1997, so I, I've got a lot of gray hair. Um, from my own kids, but also from the kids in ministry. Um, so, uh, but I I have a huge passion for online ministry and uh, what, what they're doing and what we can do. Um, and I know that there's some great opportunities here uh, coming up for Easter. So I'm excited to have Ben and Mark share uh, today. What, what we're going to do is we're, they're going to introduce each other or themselves and then uh, we'll get into it. And then we'll also have time for question and answer as well. So Ben, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself first? Sure, I'm the Weekend Experience Director at Christ Fellowship in Miami. We have seven campuses locally and then 10 globally spread across um, Latin America. Had a chance to serve on the executive team. So I have the thrill of um, planning, promoting, and praying over our big holiday services like Easter and Christmas. And uh, I'm probably like Mark, I've been, you know, I've, I think this is my 20th uh, Easter that I planned now uh, being in full-time ministry. So I got a couple under my belt, but I'm here. I'm here to share, but more importantly, I want to make the next 20 innovative and creative and fresh as well. So I'm here to learn uh, so that the next 20 aren't just a cut and paste from the last 20. That's awesome. Mark, go ahead. Well, and I'm Mark McDonald. Uh, I'm a church brand strategist. Uh, also, I'm ordained. I'm a pastor of communication. Uh, yeah, and I, I work with churches all across the, the country and help them become known for something relevant and needed. Uh, now, I call that a thread, and I'll probably mention that a few times, but uh, every, every church needs to discover what their thread is so that it can call messaging. Unlike what like Ben should have mentioned, he's also Canadian, and I'm Canadian, eh? Um, but I live in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> not not quite as warm as where Ben is uh, down in Miami area, but uh, but I certainly enjoy the warmth. Uh, I've written a bunch of uh, church communication articles. A little over eight hundred of them have been published, and uh, and then I authored the best selling book, Be Known for Something. Um, and I just can't believe I get to do what God lets me do. I, I don't work in a local church anymore, but I certainly guide a whole bunch of local churches. Uh, and I understand <laughs> how communicators just wrestle with the amount of work and and, uh, and and all the deadlines that are screaming towards them, especially around Easter. Yeah, Mark and I like to joke that it's uh, it's a race for both of us to see who can get the farthest south in America. And so, Mark, I'm ahead <laughs> of you, but Key West is calling for you, my friend. You can make it. You can beat me. I I, I look longingly at it. 
That's awesome. Well, I am happy to be a fly on the wall in this conversation. So what we're going to do is we'll have Ben and Mark share for a few minutes about some of their thoughts um, leading up to Easter. Um, and then, uh, again, we'll kind of reset the room a few times and, and whatnot. So, Ben, why don't you kick us off on, on this as we get closer to Easter? What should we be doing? Yeah, this is, uh, again, trying to give us opportunities to actually execute things, right? Not pie in the sky and non-executable ideas here. And I know we have we have listeners, we have people in the room from a range of churches, uh, mega, medium-sized, and smaller churches. That being said, with the time we have, and regardless of your size, the two biggest things that we can still get done is to have a clear next step and a clear next series. So oftentimes, right, and this is, I'm, I'm kind of, preaching up right now i'm pretty this is this is a note for lead pastors but they'll give a phenomenal resurrection message uh, but they might not necessarily land the plane okay that's a that's a great rest i've been a part of these easter services where you hear the fact that jesus loves you and he's died on this cross and he's been raised again and then go in peace and there's never a call to action never a next step to do something with that resurrection story so that's the first thing you have to give people a next step. The easiest, basic one is an invitation to salvation to respond to it. Some next level steps would be being baptized. I've seen a lot of churches do this live, right? So you you got saved. Um, the next step in your faith is baptism. We got a tub in the lobby um, down here in Miami. We got a tub outside. It's gorgeous out there. Uh, we want you to get baptized. So what's that next step? And then beyond that, what's your next series? And this, again, I'm, I'm trying to give us applications for different sized churches and also, more importantly, doing it for on-site and online. So the other application for both of that, on-site and online, is what's that, what's that next series you're calling people back to, the next message? So you'll get a lot of people that'll come out to Easter out of obligation, right? It's usually the, the wife, and she's... Call, telling her husband, this is the one service you got to come with me. They get the whole family dressed up, and they come on up to church. Now that you have them, because someone has manipulated them to church and twisted their arm, and they finally got there, um, either watching it in their living room or at a campus, what are you saying? Hey, this is great. We're so glad you're here today. More importantly, we want you to come back next weekend or to watch On Demand sometime next week as we go into this. That is the other low-hanging fruit uh, as you get into Easter for the lead pastors. We still got time to execute that. That's my first thing that I would really strongly push. Yeah, that's that's awesome because you're forward-thinking there, and you're you're going to saying, "Hey, it's not just you're not just focused about Easter, but how can you get them back uh, coming back the following week?" Um, Mark, what 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 would you add on this? Yeah, I mean, Ben, that's so good because oftentimes we lose sight of, of the things that are urgently tugging at us and, and we forget that, okay, it's part of a much bigger thing. Um, and I, I would even take a step uh, back even past, you know, away from that and think, okay, let's look holistically at the full church calendar. What does Easter uh, mean to your church calendar and then um, where does it like what role does it play and I think that um, oftentimes we have to um, you know <laughs> we know Easter is really really important but as we're uh, progressing towards Easter there's going to be a ton of things that you think oh man I wish we had this in place or I wish we had that in place and you know, I, I'm a real practical, um, you know, to-do list person, and and I I constantly have lists of things that have to get done, and and I think that uh, similar to you know the best time to make a Christmas list of what you want to give others is at Christmas time because as people are opening gifts and people are are looking at stuff and they mention something you think oh yeah I could I could give that to them next year well the best time to to create a list for Easter and maybe not this Easter but next Easter is right now so what I would do is as you think of things. You might, you know, what Ben said was, okay, so what can you get done now and what can you do later? Well, I would start making a list of the things that you see as a huge hole that it, it would really benefit you to have this in, in the future. And, 
Um, and I, I'm, uh, you know, on my on my to do list, I always list everything. And sometimes it's uh, okay. This needs to be done now, and this needs to be done later. So I just write next to stuff now, later, and then I go back through all of my nows and and add a number next to it so it's now one now two now three and i just prioritize what needs to be done um the the good thing about that and you can even go it to go to the next level where you know right next to it it, can you do this by yourself or it does this have to be in in involvement of somebody else and then you also want to take a look and say okay so how much time is involved for me and and then you can take a, a look and say, okay, if it's going to take two hours and the next one's going to take three hours, well, that's five hours out of a day. Most people can't get five hours out of a day with all the interruptions that they have. So, so you can take a step back and really look at your day and say, okay, so realistically, what can I get done? But the best thing about this list is this is a list that you need to take to your leadership and just say, so here's what I see prioritizing for now, and here's what I see prioritizing for later. Uh, do you agree with this? And then that way everyone gets on the same page. And then you can also, um, uh, <laughs> it's a great time to say, so all these things for later, um, can, can you help me make an expectation level of, of when we should get this done? And is there some support? Uh, capital money to be able to hire somebody to help me do these things or or are all is the expectation that we're going to be doing it all uh, internally and and there's just never a better time to get it all out on the table it might not happen uh, you know in the flurry leading up into Easter like don't don't walk in and start saying hey we want to have a forward planning meeting uh, when there's like you know two minutes to Easter but uh, you know, it's just a really good time for you to understand, okay, how have we dropped the ball in the past and how can we make sure we pick it up for the future? So, Mark, I've, I believe it or not, I've read all 800 articles that you've written. Um, <laughs> it, took me, it took me a long time, but I made through it. It was like War and Peace. Now, here's my, here's my question. Cut to the chase for me. So that's, I love the list. I'm a big list guy as well. But what's like one of the, what is the most egregious thing off that list as you as you as you coach churches towards Easter, you see people forget again and again to keep to put on their list. Oh my goodness! I, and the thing is, is that um, what you were talking about about the um, you know knowing what your next thing is. Oftentimes, you know, people are are constantly thinking. Okay, so you know the message so you tell me what the next thing is um if you don't tell people specifically what that next thing is uh there's going to be a ton of things that that is their takeaway message and you know when it comes to when it comes to simplifying message i mean that's what as a church we just have so many complex messages and i i would on that list say okay realistically what is the simple messaging that has to occur around easter and and whenever i'm talking about simplicity of messaging i know i talk to a lot of churches about what i call a relationship journey or it's a sales funnel or however you want to to call it but ultimately people have needs and you have to raise the awareness of it then there needs to be an urgency of making a decision and then there has to be some choices so that they can consider it and then there's the decision making process which the decision making process is just uh eliminating barriers or 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 risk and so you need to you need to start thinking so where where is my audience is it that they need to be aware of what the Easter, uh, you know, our Easter messaging is going to be about? Or is it about creating urgency? Or is it about saying, so here are the choices you're going to have when you come to our Easter services? Or is it eliminating some barriers so that people will actually come? So, I, I mean, on your list, it just need you need to be very clear about what that next step is going to be, and then how do you move people from where they are to where they should be? 
Yeah, yeah. Purpose, purpose. You know, we're we're doing this to celebrate Jesus, but beyond that, how are we? What are we intentionally doing to help them become a disciple of Christ? Uh, I guess. Ben, how do you, in your in 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 your role, I guess, how do you uh, get? You know, because there's always a complexity. Like even even sermons that are three points sometimes can feel very complex. Um, how much leeway are you given in order to simplify that and and create uh, you know companionship communication? The, um, the lead pastor is going to do what they're going to do. So at the end of the day, and even if it's even if you're you're coaching them towards simplifying their message and their big idea and even if they work on their message points the holy spirit's going to grab a hold of them and they're going to go a little rogue so i don't spend a lot of time in relationship to that but i spend a lot of time in the things i can control in terms of the marketing and the communication leading up to it and then all the aggressive follow-up afterwards so even if the even if the lead pastor may have had two or three or or 18 different calls to action in their message what you can do as you're, you know, I don't know how many people listening in are that lean pastor, and I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but if you're, if you are support to them, you have a lot of leverage and a lot of leeway in terms of how you pick their main idea, and 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 as you're communicating and following up, keeping that crystal clear and very simple for the guest experience. Hey, um, Mark, I'm just going to reset the room really quick for those who jumped in. Um, we're talking about how we're planning and preparing for this upcoming Easter season uh, for churches of any size, and most importantly, on-site and online. If you got a question, raise your hand. We'd love to take it instead of Mark and I just um, going at it here back and forth. But Mark, let me let me go. Um, let me push us towards a conversation of online because I think, by and large, the church has done a fairly good job of executing Easter on-site. Right, and then the last Easter season, the majority of us put our worst foot forward because it was our first foot forward for Easter online. But we've been at this for a year now. So, what would you say are some best practices that churches need to do for Easter online with 32 days left? Well, and most people are are doing some type of hybrid service so that there's, you know, mm-hmm. it's on site as well mm-hmm. as online, and. And I think that the, the hardest part for the church has always been, does their online presence look the same or feel the same as their on-site presence? And, and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, we've been doing on-site for so long. Um, most churches, you know, dabbled in online stuff. And, and I think that you have to make sure you lock down um, the experience and and what I see oftentimes is that the church somewhat talks down about that online audience. Um, you know, if you can't make it to one of our services, then you can go online. And and what we need to make sure we do is we elevate that online presence to the same effort that we would have uh, in in person. And and I mean, you you all. Uh, I mean, you do a great job making sure that the that the online um, feel is the same as in person. I guess, do you have specific steps that you or check boxes that you need to do to make sure that that the experience is the same? Yeah, that's it's it's funny, right? Because a lot of churches are across the board in terms of. I, I think I think we're to be clear. The first thing you need to to evaluate is where you are, where your church is in relationship to the online experience. Um, is it is it better than your on-site experience? Most churches would say no. I, I'd say there's probably a, a handful of those across the country would say like, yeah, we're putting more you know eggs into that basket there. Um, a lot would say it's kind of on par. It's it's different, but it's equal to their on-site experience. And then some would say it's um, it is a nice supplementary. But it is, and they probably wouldn't articulate it as inferior, but their communication would, right? So it's like, hey, come, come on site, come on site, come on site. And by the way, we got this trending thing, blah, 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 blah. And they would, they would give it, um, they would undersell it. For us, we try to reverse that paradigm just because we know we have the majority of our audience and our eyeballs and engagement still right now. 
uh, online. We reopened back in October, but we roughly have about 40% of the attendance uh, pre-COVID. A lot of our people, are the majority of our people are still online. And so for us, the implications of that is how we um, prioritize things. Whenever you start a list, right? My wife gives me a shopping list. Get, you know, get milk, get eggs and bread. Well, I know the most important thing is milk. If I forget the other two, it's because she's, she's already prioritized the list for me. So in our communication, we prioritize that as well. So we say, first of all, we'd love for you to experience the resurrection of Jesus online. We got great live experiences where you can chat about that or you can catch it at your convenience on demand throughout the week. Um, in addition, if you're here in Miami and you want to go to a physical location, we got those too. So right there, I framed the most important thing for us and our audience as we're pushing people towards online. And then in addition to that, we got on-site as well. So you need to, before you, you know, before you do the communication, you have to do the philosophy. So philosophically, where are we in relationship to this model? And then making sure your communication matches that. Because I've seen a lot of churches will say one thing and do different. Um, online, it's, it's our biggest campus. It's our most important campus. And I cannot find a link for it anywhere. <laughs> or, uh, or your lead pastor is still looking at the room and is not looking at the camera when they communicate. So just making sure your philosophy and your communication are aligned is like the first low-hanging fruit uh, for that. Well, and I also, I always think that people need to really look at their their communication and say, so who is that communication for? You know, every every church that I talk to, they all say, um, well, oh my goodness, we just would love if our community would come. But then you look at their, their messaging and their messaging is like way over the heads of their community. And, and it's not going to be something that will actually attract them to their church. And, and I think that every church needs to make sure that um, that they're talking to their community. Uh, you know, as a communications person, I would strongly urge somebody to, you know, go out and talk to your community. See what Easter means to them. And, and what I'm always amazed at when I talk to the community, like, you know, I do focus groups for, for churches across the country, and I talk to the quote-unquote unchurched. And... Uh, and, and things that like little concepts that I just know are, you know, like, I think everyone would probably know that I'm amazed at how many people don't know it and it goes over their heads and it's not the, the communication isn't directed towards them as a, uh, you know, a soft sell of why they would even want to go to church. Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, hey Tom, I know you're moderating this, but don't ghost on me, man. Jump back hey. into this conversation. It's, it's hard to jump back in when you guys are just talking like t total truth. Um, I do want to, um, I do have a question for you guys. That I want to ask you guys, um, uh, and then I want to get Justin in here to, to, to talk, but, but the question is, how do you prioritize? I'm talking, I'm hearing you guys talk about priority and we've got 32 days left to, um, Easter. How do you focus on priority and saying now and saying, what can we do now? Or what should we push off to next year? Because Mark, I heard you talk a little bit about next year. Like, let's start planning for next year. What What is it? I mean, because Easter is a stressful time for all pastors and all ministers, and because you do so much. But what What is it that you that will say this needs to happen this year, or this can wait till next year? That's a great question. The, the one thing I would push towards next year, just because you probably don't have time to execute it well, is that strong callback series. So I mentioned, you know, having something that you can say. That, that is probably going to touch some of the felt needs of your first-time guests. So not necessarily a study in Habakkuk, uh, but maybe something that pushes into the stress and anxiety that we've all felt in a year of a global pandemic. So something that hits a felt need. But here's the thing. We oftentimes spend all of our creative juice, all of our communication juice, pushing people towards Easter. And we have nothing left in the tank or what is happening after Easter. So churches still may have a little bit of margin left to execute that, but generally speaking, your plan is pretty much locked and loaded. You, you've, you've moved away from the brainstorming session and you're now in the execution mode. And so I don't know if a lot of churches have time to go back to that drawing table and saying, wow, yeah, we, we didn't think what that is. We don't have a compelling content. We don't have a compelling 
a theme or a blurb or a graphic or a, a bumper video or a testimonial or any of those things that might compel people back to the following weekend. So that's one of those things that you may need to push towards next year if you haven't done it already. Well, and I would also say if you if you look at your website and you go, man, that website just sucks, this is probably not the time to decide to do a brand new website. Um, it, it, I mean, you can look at your team and say, oh, so do they have the, the bandwidth to be able to do this? Do we have the time to be able to do it? Um, and, and then realize, okay, well, we need a new website, but we just, we can't do it right now. So let's push that to later. Well, then on the, you know, you might write later next to that, but then you've got to take a step back and say, so website's pretty important. What is, what is that next step that we're driving people towards? And if, if they decide whether it's online or in person, that I'm going to take that next step. Well, what if it is, okay, do you really want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Um, if someone Googles you and calls up your website, what, what I, we have to make sure that we're connecting the dots because oftentimes we just talk it out at a service and say, yeah, just contact us. If you need to go to our website and then people go to the website and it's like, well, what do I do now? And so we have to make sure that we're connecting those dots now, but then also take a look at, okay, so how can we have done this better in um, with our website or with social media or whatever it's going to be? That, so, that's Mark, Mark, are you saying like an overhauled church brand is not a wise idea to do in the next 32 days? Is that not? <laughs> I had it on my to-do. It was on my list. You said make a list. I put it on there. Well, um, if you talk to Tom, I'm sure Tom could do that for you. No, see, that's why I'm glad we have Justin in the in here right now. Justin is my guy that I talk to about web stuff and SEO stuff. So, Justin, what would you add to this conversation, or what question do you have or thought? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for inviting me up. Uh, first of all, glad. Thanks, Tom, for inviting me to this. I was uh, Jeff Reed was here earlier. He's not here anymore. But um, anyways, uh, yeah, glad to be here. Uh, so about the website. 100% that, that your website is how people are going to learn about you and they're going to find you. And even word of mouth is no longer just word of mouth. It's word of mouth that is then verified by the website. So if people hear that, you know, you went to this church on Easter and they think, well, maybe I should go to church either on Easter or after Easter. And they Google you or Bing you or whatever. And they look at your website and say, yikes, or that's great for my friend, but not for me. That's, that's an issue. That's an obstacle. Uh, the website is no longer just promoting your church and your services, but also removing all obstacles to uh, getting people to connect with you, whatever that first step might be. So 100%, like if you need a, a, my thing, like going back to practicality, we're 30, 30 something days out. Uh, if your church website is lacking and you want to be found a little bit more, but you don't have the resources to hire someone like our agency or just to do it yourself, uh, then a one-page Easter website is totally doable, but you got to kind of follow that up. You don't want to create that great first impression and then follow it up with, okay, well, I guess they're only worth attending or they're only care about connecting on Easter. So it, it is, you do have to take kind of a high-level approach, but there are some small practical things you can do where it's kind of that put 20% effort in to get 80% of the results. Yeah, and I would suggest as well, like just on your website, make sure if, if one of the next things, you know, the next steps would be, you know, as Ben was saying, that if you find yourself in our area and you would like to come to church, make sure you come to our, you know, one of our locations. Make sure that that's on the homepage someplace so that they can find it really easy. And and then probably the next page that they're going to go to is your team page, your staff page, and and just make sure that people are dressed in clothes that you can actually purchase today that's my nicest way of saying (laughs) like just people want to see themselves on that page you know if everybody looks the same if everybody's old if everybody is all male and there's no females on there like people just want to be able to say I will fit into that group because I look like the leadership or the leadership looks like me 
So, so do whatever you can to, to upgrade that. I, in fact, I would say in the 30 days, in the next 30 days, if there's one thing you, you fix on your website, probably want to put a, something on your homepage that, that leads people to that next step that's going to be in the sermon. But then you also want to go into your, your team page and just make sure that it's, it's up to date and people can contact the people that, um, that they need to. And that's probably, okay, lastly about that is just make sure that next to your team players, make sure that all of the things that anybody in your community would actually want would be listed there. And I would almost say alphabetized based upon that. So it's like, you know, a student ministries is the, is the big thing. And then, you know, how to contact somebody about it. Um, Mark, I love the fact that you're calling out like, what are the missed opportunities on the website. I do. I kind of feel I need to rewind the clock here just a bit and uh, acknowledge that Justin um, referenced Bing. Um, I don't know the last time I've heard that, Justin, but th- thank you for bringing hey, I, up. I'm all inclusive, baby. Uh, <laughs> way, way to reach all people for the sake of the gospel. I love that. Um, let me, Mark, you, you hit on that. Like, what's what are the on um, terms of that Easter on terms of the website? We talked about what was missing on the list from your perspective, you just hit what is uh, oftentimes missed on the website there. Since Justin's up here as well, Justin, tell, uh, I'd love to hear from you. What do you also find to be the biggest miss on a website when a first time guest is going there to, to try to find out information about the church? Great question. Um, it's all gonna come down to, I'll be calls to action. Um, there's a lot of information as far as what we do and there's not a lot of telling people to go ahead and take that next step. Um, you hear this echoed everywhere, Mark. Uh, I'm sure this is a, a horse you've beaten many times, but you know, people want to be told what to do. You go to any e-commerce site, you see a buy now button. You see, you go to any uh, Shopify site, shop now. You go to Apple, they want you to look at their products. Everyone tells you what to do, except for churches. We just hope that you do something, uh, and so we need to call them to action about, uh, on the website. You know, Mark talked about doing the, you know, giving them the clear next steps. Well, tell them, take the next step, plan your visit, watch a sermon, RSVP, claim your gift, um, let us know you're coming, call a leader, you know, something like that. That's just very simple. Every next step looks different for for every church. Um, But that's the biggest missed opportunity is we just throw information out there and hope someone does something. They want to be told what to do. People go to websites to find out how to connect and how to get involved. So for some reason the church world is just so far behind on that uh and that's the biggest missed opportunity is just guiding people through your website just like we have a greeter ministry or first impressions ministry that guides people from the parking lot to the foyer to the kids ministry to their seats we need to guide them on a journey to take the actions we want them to take on our websites yeah and just justin i would add i mean make sure that um that you have an easy way to give and, and don't be scared to ask for uh, somebody to enter into the worship of giving. Um, and and I, Justin, I would love to hear from you because I always get pushed back because everyone always says, yes, but we have given our main menu and no one ever clicks on it. Uh, and, and I guess that, uh, what, what would you say to them? You know, I know what, what we typically challenge them about, um, but, but is it good enough for the church just to have a give in their menu? Boy, Mark, uh, that's a great question. And I might go against the grain here, but it, it's going to come down to first impression, right? So I know Donald Miller, you know, he talks about putting a big donate, big give, big buy now button in the top right. I view that as your big call to action. And personally, and talking to other non churchy people, because I, we work with a lot of churches that want to reach the far from Jesus, the unchurched, dechurched, burned by church, former church. When they see that big give button highlighted in yellow flashing at them, that's kind of like someone approaching you in the store and saying, hey, you're the, you're the pastor of that church. Oh, man, my marriage is falling apart. My kids don't listen to me. Um, what do I do with my life? What am, what am I here for? And then you say, hey, would you like to donate to our church? Like, whoa, we would never do that in person. And so we want to make sure we don't do that um, online. Now, every church, like I said, every church is different, right? So some churches giving is a very intimate act of worship. There's a reason why they still pass the plate instead of having a box to drop your gift off on the way out. 
Some churches do well with the box on the way out. Some churches do better with the plate coming around because that's, an, that's a literal physical act of worship rather than a second thought. So every church is going to be uniquely different. That said, um, if, if that is important to you and you want to make it easy and you, want to, and you do a good job communicating through your gift button, where like it takes you to a page and they can see the budget breakdown. Hey, 40% of everything goes right back into our community. 20% supports our people. 20% supports our missionaries. And you're very, and you show actual action items of not just saying we do the work of God, but showing we fed this many orphans. We clothed this many, we don't clothe widows, but you, you supported this many or uh, widows and you uh, provided this many backpacks and this many shoe boxes and you, bought this many bus tickets and filled this many gas tanks and provided this how many pounds or tons of food to the community people see that and get excited and realize that you are on the move and they will give to that so if you do put the give button you got to send it to a place where they can see what they're giving to that not only does that open up the checkbook but it increases the amount of the donation if you do feel a little bit tacky with that with that obvious big give button i honestly i don't blame you like i would rather the first call to action be something more relational than transactional. Uh, so it could work either way. It's just you got to evaluate what your church is and then also evaluate the context in which it's asked. Obviously, you're going to have a give button in the navigation menu. You're going to ask people to give throughout the website strategically. Uh, you might even have a special URL or something like that to give. But I am going to – I do push back. Like I understand the importance of a give button, but – is that going to be the first thing you want people to see is asking for something, especially asking for money before we get to the relational part of who the church is? I, I, I totally agree. Ben, what do you have to add to that? Um, first of all, I don't know why we need to call the action buttons uh, Justin and Mark. We have the Holy Spirit who can fix people. Why? <laughs> so the tongue is firmly planted in cheek, right? So I, I think that's one of the things we struggle with where I don't need to do that because um, the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit's job, which, yes, the Holy Spirit will convict, but, like, man, let's make that let's make that on-ramp super easy for people to take those actions, to take that next spiritual step in their journey by making that big button wherever we want to put it um, on-site and online available for people. The um, So that, yeah, I, I concur. I just, I'm here to echo what you guys are saying. I concur with that. Hey, let me let me push into maybe some best practices, Tom. For we we're talking about Easter, right? Like things that we can still get done. Yeah. Um, uh, follow up with first time guests. Uh, that's a big thing, right? First time guests are here. Again, how are we engaging with these people other than just hoping they come to our website and smash that give button? Yeah, we, we we like to do the digital connection cards. We found real success in digital connection cards especially over the course of COVID. Um, and what's been happening is that, uh, again, we don't have, um, we don't have in-person connection cards anymore. We have a digital connection card that they can either type in the text, the number from text and church, or we also have a QR code that does the exact same thing. And so that's been a really great way for us to capture information and then be able to follow up with them for our next big thing or, or way to get them more involved. Um, so that that's one of the things that we do. What do you guys huh? do? Tom, how many things do you have on that card for someone to fill out? Too many. Gonna ask that too many. I'll tell you, tell you right now, too many. Yes, please let's talk about that because we've actually <laughs> just reevaluated our card, and it's going to be very simple. So talk to, talk to us about that, guys. It, well, if it know. doesn't look like a W-2 tax document, is it even a Connect card? Well, and the thing is, is that oftentimes you have to start with, okay, um, what is what is the cost for filling something out? And, and if someone looks at something and thinks, oh, that's going to take me a little bit extra time, they're not going to fill it out. And and so you have to uh, think about your follow-up. What, what is the absolute minimum that you need in order to be able to follow up? And for the most part today, you're going to probably follow up by email. So you just need a name and an email, and that's about it. Yeah, I would also put the cell on there um, because I, you know, I think the open rate for most email campaigns is relatively low. It's in like the twenties or thirties, where the open rate on a cell phone is much higher. It's in the eighties or nineties, and so, and I would even, I don't even put anything else. I just put cell. I don't want your home. I don't want your landline. 
uh, that's meaningless to me. I want to be able to text you because I know I'm going to have a much higher open rate on that. Now, I need to be careful and not spam you, which a lot of churches do that, right? Wow, we got this glorious cell phone number that we can hit up people whenever we want, and that gets pretty invasive. Um, but I would, I would do the email. In addition to that, Mark, I would definitely hit up the cell as well. Hey, now, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, uh, I just do, I, we just like to do the two fields. But what we do is instead of name, email, phone, we say name and then text or, or excuse me, uh, text or email or, you know, and they can pick. It's just a blank line. They can put their email or they can put their phone number. That tells us which contact method they prefer. And then Ooh, like that. from there, uh, usually on that next call, we train people. Uh, if it's a call or a text, tell them, hey, I'm gonna, I want to send you this information. What's your email? And then, or if it's an email, hey, by the way, um, so a pastor wants to talk to you and to see how we can serve your family. What's your phone number? And then from there, on that next call, we get their address and we build it out from there uh, so we can slowly, uh, what's, the, what's the phrase? Like, you don't throw a frog in boiling water, you put it in water and then you slowly bring it up to a boil. So uh, that's not. That's not the best illusion for this, but, um, you know, we really want to slowly bathe our brand and our church around these people so we're not hounding them. And really the key, and we can talk about this later if we want to stay with the Connect card, is um, following up through multiple avenues and not putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, and knowing what you're going to do in that follow-up, like um, if, if somebody signs up and, and puts their name on, like, on a card or a digital sign-up sheet, um, you know, what is it that they actually want? And and it's interesting because I, I just did a focus group with a, a church and uh, I talked to a, a lot of people who, who said, well, I go to the guest services area and they tell me what I need and all they need to do is ask me what I want and, and I think that we need to be really sensitive that everybody comes for a certain, for a different reason. And, uh, and in those follow-up calls or emails, I think that we, we talk too much and we don't ask enough questions. Ben was flashing his mute button. I didn't know if that meant he wanted to go next. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's uh, that, that's just affirming what Mark uh, was saying. It's just uh, a small way to say, I, I agree with him instead of uh, cutting him off. So, no, uh, um, just affirming that. The one, this is like really granular, but it's like the bane of my existence with the data team, uh, data team at our church, is um, whatever your connection card is, if you, have, if you have a physical, if you're still handing out physical ones, which are fine, uh, just make sure you don't have a blank line, but instead you have blocks where people put in things because if it forces people to within those squares of their phone number or their the letters of their name which makes it a lot more legible which is the biggest problem with uh connection cards that are handwritten that half the I, we found half the data is unusable because it's unreadable and you gotta force people give them big blocks but force them to write their name out in each of those squares will make it more legible and that you're actually using the right name or the right Gmail um, address, whatever it might be. Yeah, hey, uh, we just invited Adam McLaughlin up here. Adam's a, a great friend. Uh, I know all of us know him. And um, But I just want to reset the room real quick. We've got about 20 minutes left of what the time we wanted to commit. So if you've got questions, by all means, raise your hand and ask. Uh, feel free. We'd love to answer questions. But also know that you guys can connect with Ben and Mark and Justin and Adam, even myself, if you want to connect with me um, down the road. And these guys are great on answering questions on social media. So I do have a question for you, Tom, whenever we get to that point. Oh, okay. Adam, uh, talk to us, Adam, real quick before we pivot to do some on-site stuff. Hey, sorry, I didn't uh, mean to try and be a speaker. I was just pressing buttons because uh, I'm for the first time. Uh, and, uh, I'm also here because I just love Mark McDonald's East Coast Canada accent, and I just couldn't get enough of it. So I have a question for Mark, and that is, can you just go ahead and talk about something? Uh, but anyway, uh, that's a joke. Hey, everybody. Uh, excited to see Easter is uh, coming up, and looking forward to hearing all of what churches are doing with both online and physical. 
and uh, excited that this year, at least, we get a little bit more time to know that that's coming rather than last year. Easter was almost imposed upon us as both. Uh, and so I'm curious to see what churches do differently this year when they know it's coming compared to when it's kind of sprung on us. So anyway, that's why I'm here. Just hanging out. It's all good. Thanks, Adam. We're glad you're here. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit uh, to uh, in, in person and on-site gathering. We talked a lot about online stuff. So what, what would you guys recommend here as we're preparing for Easter 32 days away? If you haven't grabbed a photo booth yet, do it now. Uh, again, I'm this, all my, you'll, you've got a sense from me, all my ideas ultimately push back towards online, just because I think that's a, a lemon. Uh, um, yeah, a lemon, we haven't used all the juice out as a church. And so the photo booth is nice at your um, on-site experiences, but it has a huge benefit online because people take photos and then they post it. Hopefully they um, at you or hashtag uh, your church and get the word out and get free marketing there. It's very inexpensive for churches, so this works for the large, medium, and small size. You can put a bench and a couple of ferns. It could be like between two ferns. Um, You just need to put that out, and then people will sit there and take photos. You grab that basic ring light you've been using in your home studio for the past year, and there you go. you got a professional setup. It's clear value add for your guests, and again, free marketing. So that's one of the easiest things I encourage churches to do with 30 days left. Ben, what do you think, though, um, you know, I've seen churches do it where, uh, here, let me take your phone, I'll take a picture of you, and then there's others that have the professional set up from the church, and then we'll email it to you? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great question. Um, so, I've seen, uh, the, what I like the best is you get a volunteer with gloves, and so, you know, we feel a degree of safety. But they're there positioned to take photos of you on your phone for a couple of reasons. The, the professional thing is, is nice. It was like really helpful 10 years ago when our cell phones sucked. But the quality of images that we can get on our phones is so good now. And the other thing, the other more important thing is I don't need to, eat, I don't need to take this extra step in getting your email address and sending it to you sometime down the week. And then, and then hopefully you posting it on Wednesday, you have it on your phone and you're, you're posting it as you're walking out the parking lot which is way better. So that's helpful. Get a volunteer, put gloves on them, and have and, and have them take photos. The other nice thing, too, is they move the line. So I've seen this where it's, I know, it could be one family, and they're, they're, they're doing different arrangements, and the, the line's getting long just because there isn't someone, and the nice guest who moves people along. So that's the other benefit of doing it that way. Well, and I'm all about church branding, uh, but I think that there's a... A, a tension point about not branding it at all and having just a little bit of branding in it so that people understand. I think that most people, when they post the picture, are going to say, I'm at such and such church or, you know, our family went to to, to church and tag you in it. Um, what are your thoughts on that? We did. Man, this is, you're, you're going to laugh. And I, I still don't know if it's a good idea, if it's the best idea we've had or the worst. It's one of the two. It's got to be on the extremes. But we had, we had a, as a prop, a cardboard cutout of our lead pastor. He used it in his message. And we're like, wouldn't that be funny if we just put it out there by the regular photo booth as a lark? And here's the thing. Everyone went to that and posed with a cardboard cutout of the lead pastor. And they thought it was hilarious. And no one used our, our, our nice, like, um, you know, Lowe's setup um, background. And again, I, I don't know if it just seemed very narcissistic. <laughs> everyone posing with the lead pastor um but like that got the most buzz that we've ever done um, yeah it, it would be yeah. interesting if you had uh the ability to do the two styles and then see which one the majority of people wanted to, to use we did nobody used our nice wood bench with the ferns nobody that's funny that is awesome so everybody in the next 31 um, days, you better uh, take a good picture of your pastor and make a, a <laughs> full-size cutout of him. Here's the deal. I just remember last year, too, because, again, our Easter service had to go all online. We weren't able to meet in person. And it just was so weird and eerie. 
Um, and I just have a sense right now, we're starting to see more people come in person now. I think for those people that are able to have meet in person, I think having to set up like a photo booth could be a real win uh, because it's still very doable within 32 days to do it. And like you said, Ben, you, you it's a simple setup. You don't need an elaborate setup. And it's something very doable. And people want to get out. They want to dress up for Easter uh, and, and get out with other people. Yeah, and I would I think that at this stage, though, we just be careful that you don't have even a bench. A bench right now requires somebody to spray it down in between or, or wipe it off. Sure. I don't have a, a stand-up booth. Yeah. The, um, that's super helpful. That's super helpful. One thing I would encourage, uh, we're talking like on site now. This is in terms of your marketing. You got 30 days. Your marketing, your communication leading up to it. Um, we have been open since October and like the month leading up to it, the phrase that um, I got nauseated because we were saying it so often, which is a sign of good communication, was we are safe, spacious, and sanitized. So a lot of churches, if they've been open up for that season, they probably have stepped off in that communication, assuming that the majority of the guests realize that. But as you're leading into promoting your on-site campus or campuses, you need to double down on that again because you're going to have guests who are on the fence. You're trying to get out for the first time. And they're saying, I don't know if I'm going to come do that church thing. So you got to remind them that you are um, following the best protocols from our health officials and that you're following the your local governmental officials and what they are mandating for you as well. If not, you're going to lose a lot of potential people just because they are nervous. Yeah, and I would also uh, add that, I mean, you have a, I, what is it, three Sundays between now and then. Um, I would... I would put on the, the glasses of your community on a Sunday morning and and come in when every, when the majority of people come in, which is about 10 to 15 minutes before, and and really go through your entire campus uh, and, and really take a look at it, not as a person who works there, not as a person who attends on a regular basis, but what would be confusing to them and then um, what would be a little uh, a feeling of unsafe and oftentimes we we funnel people into very small spaces into our churches and we just have to be very careful and make sure that as well if someone shows up without a mask and you want people to wear masks you should have some masks available and where's the best place to offer those so it doesn't feel like it's a, it's a, a ticket, ticket of idea off of you. I just talked with the church uh, in Illinois, I think, that's doing this on a regular Sunday, but as we're talking about cautiousness and Easter and all that, I'm in Texas, so we're about half and half. Half of us are just ready to live free and sit on benches as much as we want. The other half are still very extremely cautious. Let me bounce this idea off of you. I mean, this is literally the first time I kind of connected the two. What about having, if you do have two services, promoting one as a cautious service when you do the social distance you require a mask you sanitize it intentionally before and do all this stuff and then you have a more open service whatever you would call it normal service where you're a little bit more relaxed if your state allows if your local governance allows this church is doing it and they're finding a lot of people come in the 9:30 service and they're very glad that they can get out and be safe and the other half of their people are very glad to come out and be a little bit more on the normal side. What, what do y'all think about that as, as an idea? I think it's going to be hard for you to to get people to go for different time frames based upon on that preference. I, I think that it's a great idea. Like if you have a balcony and you can socially distance people in your balcony, you know, maybe close the balcony for those people who, um, you know, for, for, I don't even know how you would, you would word it, but for those people who are, are alter cautious, you can go up there. That's good. Hey, Tom, I'm, I'm, I have a, um, I'm probably at the dip of the conversation a bit, but I want to, there's definitely one thing I want to hit as we're talking about critical church Easter prep. Um, we, we've been talking about some planning and some promotion. The one area that I know for myself that I oftentimes underserve is the last P. I'm a good Christian. I like to alliterate. Is the is the, on the praying end, and, and that's where I try to challenge myself, uh, my teams, and up 
other church leaders that I interact with. As you're going into the season, you got 32 days left. Make sure that this experience is not just planned and promoted, but it's prayed over as well. And, and, and when I say prayed over, oftentimes it's not even the quote-unquote success of the experience and that um, we would see a huge growth at our church, but oftentimes it's for myself as well that I as a church leader would realize that God is on the move. He wants to do a work in my congregation and community and that he is going to make sure his name is honored and glorified and not give his glory to another. And I just need to be faithful and executing what he's done to me and I need to leave the results in his hands. So oftentimes that prayer isn't, isn't solely just for the guest. It's also for myself as a church leader that I'm going into the spirit of resurrection, of resurrection power with the right heart attitude, um, that that God is going to continue to raise up the the dead into life, um, and He's just asking for me to participate in it. So that's like that's the that's the last thing I would say as church leaders. I have 32 days left to go. Don't forget that last P. Don't forget to pray over this and for your heart posture going into it. Because and if you have if you have staff and volunteers reporting to you, which I'm sure we all do. They're looking to that spirit for you to take that spiritual need and that spiritual dependency on God and for it to exude out of you over these next 32 days. And it, that's interesting, Ben, because, uh, I mean, so I had I had my list of things I didn't alliterate, uh, so obviously I'm not as good. But <laughs> shame, shame. I know. But my last thing was take an honest look at you. And, and I mean, we've just come through an extraordinary year. Uh, there's other words that we could use for extraordinary, and I'm sure you put them all in, into play at this stage. Um, but, but really take a hard look at, at you. You're in ministry, and if you're not making sure that you're ready for Easter, it's awfully hard to get other people ready for Easter. So I, w- I would really commit some time like, I mean, it sounds really crazy. I mean, like 5, 10, 15 minutes a day. Read through the Easter story. Make sure that, that you're prepared for this. And and then also prepare yourself for the aftermath. You know, trust God that he's going to do a mighty work. And if you're ready for this, who knows? Maybe maybe all of this is just about you and, and making sure that you're ready. And uh, and just, just don't miss out on that. Yeah, that's a, this is a great word to end on, honestly, because um, I, I shared the story with Ben before um, because we did talk about prayer a while back. And uh, we had a, a pastor from India come over and look at some North American churches, and he came to visit us and our church and some other churches. And as he was leaving, our, our um, pastor asked him, like, what did you learn from this experience? And, and he said, it's amazing what you guys can do without praying. And so, the, the, I mean, yes, we need to work hard. We need to, to act hard, but we, we really need to give it over to the Lord and ask him uh, to do that, to take care of it. And again, work in our lives, but also do the work because it's God who changes hearts, not, not all the fancy stuff that we do to prepare. For sure. I, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was going to say, you go ahead. <laughs> well, no, because it's, it's interesting how many things... You know, I'm a task person. I'm a goal-oriented person. I like to set goals. Um, you know, in order for if, if Easter is your biggest thing on your church calendar, I'm sure that somebody has some huge goals that that are in play. Uh, just make sure that you have like the right perspective of your goals. Because Tom, what you said is that it's it's not. You know, God doesn't say. You know, if you only accomplish just a few more things today then i'll show up well i mean he can show up without you doing anything and and i think that we all need to make sure take a breath yes we're going to get through this and and we just want to make sure that we we pray through it so that it's not accomplishing the things that we have on our list but accomplishing the things that god has for for your easter service is great um and so any other anybody else have any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up i'll just say you know um we get uh really wrapped up in our own world 
whether you're a pastor praying on your knees and planning and preparing uh, and whatever other P you want to do. And even if you're a support staff, youth pastor, director, administrative communications, we get so wrapped up in our own world that we forget how many of us it actually takes to make happen. And so just um, as you pray for every your guests coming as well, also pray for your staff and your, your volunteer teams and your lay leaders and just check in with them and just say, hey, is there anything, do you have everything you need? Is there anything else you're missing? Make sure that they're taken care of. If they're working uh, 12 hour days in the days up to uh, Easter, and I'm talking mainly about the media crew at that point or production crew, make sure that you follow up with them ideally in the way that, that in their love language, whether you give, high five, give them time, give them attention, uh, and just support them in any way that, that you can. And even if you can't, find a way for someone else to support them in the way that they need. Just don't, let's not forget about the people around us as well as it, it, is, it is a team effort. That's so good. I, I know that I'm amazed at how many uh, stressful situations where everyone's trying to get so much stuff done. I know how much it disarms that whole, like it just, it just creates peace just to be able to say to somebody, I see you're busy. Is there anything I can do to help you? And, and oftentimes you'll get a, no, I don't think so. But what it does is it just says I'm part of the team and I understand. That's, that's great. Well, hey, uh, thanks everyone for being with us. George, I tried to invite you up to speak and um, because I saw your hand raised, but I, for some reason, it's not letting you come on. So I apologize for that. I'm actually, I'm actually up. I don't know. Oh, you, you are? Oh, well. yeah. okay. George, did you have something to say? Yeah, I know y'all are ready to wrap up, but if you had a quick piece of advice when it comes to putting on an egg hunt, I would be very interested. This is our first egg hunt as a church. We're doing a glow-in-the-dark egg hunt, and so some of the things that we're thinking through right now are both COVID-safe uh, practices and uh, promoing into the community. So if y'all if y'all had any quick words of advice on either of those, I'd be super thankful. It's funny because the very first church that I ever worked for, um, they asked me to do an Easter egg hunt for them, and it was uh, in Atlantic Canada, and and the pastor could dream so big. And I remember him saying one day, okay, we don't want to do just a regular Easter egg hunt. Let's do the world's largest Easter egg hunt. So we coordinated with Guinness Book of World Records, and then we realized we needed to have 250,000 eggs. And we all looked at each other and thought, there's no freaking way. There's, we don't even have the budget for it. And the pastor said, let me call Hershey. So he called Hershey, and in one day, we had Hershey Canada donate 250,000 Easter eggs to us. Wow. And, and so we set it up, and it became a regional event because if you try to hide 250,000 eggs, you can't do that in a church building. As we discovered when we, when we plotted it all out, we ended up going to the city, and we asked them to uh, let us take over a park and uh, they ended up giving us the entire downtown. Um, and so they closed Main Street and we were able, our, this church was able to, uh, to put on the world's largest Easter egg hunt. Uh, and the night before it snowed 10 inches of snow. Oh my gosh. So um, needless to say, uh, again, <laughs> God will show up in mysterious ways, we were sh shaking our heads, and uh, it, I mean, it was a disaster, to tell you the truth, mainly because the media also showed up because they wanted to see, we had over 10,000 people come, but if you do the math, 10,000 people, uh, if they get 250,000 Easter eggs, there's not a lot of Easter eggs, but a lot of people showed up with large bags, and there were... The, the next day in the in the newspaper, the front page, almost a quarter of the front page was a person with hundreds and hundreds of Easter eggs and a smaller picture of a child crying because they couldn't find any. Oh, gosh. Wow. That, that, that's awesome. <laughs> so, sorry. so sorry about that. Yeah. Um, uh, and, 
and I, in my book, I actually, I, I, I spell out from top to bottom all the things that I learned through that. But the one thing is you can never over-prepare. Make sure that you've walked through it as many times as possible and make sure you have enough volunteers because that was, that's how, I mean, we just weren't prepared for what actually happened. Hey, hey, George, George, from my perspective, real quick, quick, from a social social media media. perspective is, um, you know, I would definitely put a, create a Facebook event um, for you and your, at your church or uh, that, that you could share it and encourage people in your congregation to share it to other people um, and to, um, to get like in, in our area, there's a bunch of community, like Facebook community pages I would get on all the people to share it to the community page and uh, use that as an opportunity to uh, to share. That's good. That's I, good. I, I would certainly recommend getting as many as possible getting feedback. Um, I, I, would, I would recommend trying, like on all those community pages, getting people in your community to doing that, not your church uh, necessarily. The more you can get it to go viral where it feels like everyone's talking about it rather than just the church, that that, that would be key. Yeah, I agree. agree. Uh, Justin, do you have something to say? community i love the idea of uh you know really promoting the heck out of it and if you want to go for two hundred fifty thousand and one eggs i would like to see that as well but as a parent who goes to these things every year um it's not enough it really isn't enough just to promote the mess out of it and get everyone there you gotta make sure it's good so just some basic easter egg stuff as a parent of a three-year-old i don't want her fighting seven or eight-year-olds to get an egg you know, so yeah, I like I like it when the egg hunts are separated by age. Obviously, name brand candy. Don't don't cheap out. I see a lot of churches cheap out, and it's not a good experience. And they wonder why people don't come back. It's because you're giving away the cheap knockoff candy or the Mexican spicy candy that no one wants. And um, make sure that you have some kind of connection process or follow up process. Uh, whether it's like a check-in for a raffle or, you know, extra eggs if you, or extra candy or maybe a full-size candy bar if you just, you know, trade your info, something that you can use that to follow up. Because you will have, and maybe it's just a Texas thing, but if you do an Easter egg hunt even after, right after service, you'll have people that show up at 12 o'clock just for the Easter egg hunt uh, because that's what they do. They go around hunting, kind of like the trunk or treats. So you want to make sure that and you don't only really provide, you don't only really market the mess out of it, but you also provide a memorable experience. Uh, but then also have a way to somehow follow up. And you're not going to get everyone, but if you have some way that you can get some people, that's going to make it even more valuable for, for you as a church. That's great. Thank you. Thank well, you. This has been awesome. And, and George, I know we follow each other on, on Twitter and stuff, and all these guys are on Twitter. So feel free, anybody who's got follow-up questions, connect with the bios. And then we can do, um, you know, follow up offline on that or actually online on Twitter. <laughs> so, hey, this has been fun. I appreciate you guys uh, doing this and participating in this. This was a good thing. And I, I, we're planning on probably doing some more of these. So thanks for everyone for doing this.